rolling dice and drawing cards, to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games as well as experienced players who want something new, let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Friday's Game Night. I'm Greg. And I'm Lauren. And in this episode, we'll give an introduction to the world of role-playing games. We'll review the party game Friend or Foe, give our holiday wish list, and of course, give our monthly escape room report along with our favorite games right now. So Greg, in this podcast so far, the episodes we've done, we've kind of given introductions to different types of social gaming, different types of games that you can play with as a group. Yeah. But so far, we haven't talked about um, a certain genre of gaming that we partake in, and that is role-playing games. RPGs, yes. and not the kind that are weapons, not yes. rocket propelled grenades. And we're also not talking games. about the other kind of role-playing that you do in your private time. Well, you can kind of incorporate that here, <laughs> but no, we're not but talking about that. this is a family-friendly podcast, so yeah. we're not talking about that. Um, so let's get started on our main topic, which is an introduction to role-playing games. So role-playing games or RPGs, as they're called, there's a bunch of different types out there. Mm -hmm. But for those who don't know about them, it's pretty much you are taking on the personification or the role, as in the title, Uh of a character. And whatever the character is can be so varied. And how you play it can be so varied. And how you play it can be so varied. And the idea of the game is that you are diving into this character. You are playing this character almost like an actor. Just you don't have scripted lines. You get to decide what happens. So it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure, but the possibilities are endless. You don't just flip to page 34. You get to choose what page you go to and what's written on that page. Yeah, and I think there's kind of two versions of role-playing games that I think the most people are, even if people who haven't played them, are they've heard of at least. There's role-playing video games, which of course there are some constraints to. And that's like things like Final Fantasy games or something like that, mm-hmm. where usually, yeah, there's uh, some... Uh, leveling up elements where your character gets uh-huh. stronger over time and you fight a bunch and of bad guys. And it's very character-driven game. Like. Yeah. Um, and then the role-playing game that most people have at least heard of, even if they don't know what it is necessarily, is Dungeons & Dragons. Right. And I was one of those people who I'd heard of Dungeons & Dragons, but I had never played it until I met Greg. And I came to find out that it was very different from what I thought it was. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> yes, unfortunately, um, Greg introducing me to role-playing games has opened up another hobby that I've become involved in, which is a quite a time-consuming and money-consuming hobby. Not, and <laughs> not my fault. You chose it. Yeah, and that is um, painting miniatures. Some of the role-playing games, you actually use miniatures to kind of represent characters and at least for us really it's about marking out where we are in relation to things but let's take a step back real quick. yeah we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves so role-playing games in general how they typically work is a story is being told mm-hmm. and you as the player are given a character that will inhabit the world in which the story is taking place now what's so great about it is that the genre can be completely different it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a sort of Lord of the Rings fantasy dragons and knights and horses and unicorns kind of thing. It could be any kind of genre you want. I mean, I literally have a book in my possession that is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle (laughs) RPG book that gives you all the rules and like, you know, if you want to be anything besides a turtle, like if you want to be like a sort of like a pigeon 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Pigeon. You can do that, yeah. you know. There's whole um, there's whole ones written up for the Star Wars universe. There's even obscure stuff. Like, I once saw even, if you like very specific sci-fi, I saw one for Farscape. Mm-hmm. You know, where, like, so if it's if it exists, there's probably an RPG for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. But there's all sorts of other just general genres, too, like the steampunk genre. Um, there is, of course, the... Uh, kind of Cthulhu, sort of uh, Lovecraftian uh-huh. genre, you know. So it's there's a flavor for everybody out there. Yeah, it's kind of like we've talked about with board games too. That whatever yeah. you're into, there is a board game that kind of fits that genre. Whatever you're into, there's an RPG that will fit this genre. Exactly, exactly. But how it works is you will be put into this world as a character, typically that fits into that world. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do like, oh, you're just you and you get plopped into there. Yeah, but usually, fish out of water stories. Usually, let's just stick with the D&D scenario, the fantasy mm-hmm. setting, just because, you know, let's stick with a solid base. So you're put into a fantasy world and then you get to sometimes choose your character. I want to be a knight. I want to be an archer or a wizard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much you're given a task. Just like in a story, there's some big problem. Uh-huh. And you have to address it. But what's great about rpgs is that you can choose how you go about addressing it and with some rpgs based upon how you're playing it's very malleable Mm -hmm. you can bend or even break rules without destroying the entire game necessarily Mm -hmm. you you basically you know you're plopped into this world and then you have decisions to make and options to do and you you can use your own creativity to decide how you're going to go about things do you want to go just straight to the tavern and try to get the local gossip do you want to just try to barge into the mayor's house and shoot him in the back do you want to go to the local priest and apologize for what you just did to the mayor you know it's it's all your choices Mm -hmm. you know and yeah it's also creativity there was once uh, a little... And what's great about RPGs, by the way, is that there's always a fun story that you can tell yes. about it. And most sessions, some kind of crazy story comes out of a session, too, Yes, we find with our friends. Once I was, uh, as they call it, dungeon mastering, or I was telling the story. I was mm-hmm. the one guiding the story. And you and our friends were playing lawn. And you needed money, so you decided to go rob a casino. <laughs> so you literally did the... I went to the marketplace. I bought four pigs. Yeah. I numbered them one, two, three, we and five. We essentially oceaned 11 to that you, you did, yeah. And then you like... <laughs> You tied broom heads behind them with long ropes, set them in fire so the pigs would run from the fire. And they just let them loose inside the casino to cause mass panic. It was insane. But it's a funny story, you know, and it's funny for even people who weren't there to imagine it. But typically, yeah, RPGs, it's it's all about creativity. How will you solve this problem uh-huh. given the constraints that your characters have and kind of the rules of the world? And what's good about RPGs as well is that unlike other traditional board games, we have a very strict... You, you roll the dice and you move here or you can only do this, that, or the other thing is that the rules can be bent or even ignored depending on the group and what they want. Uh-huh. There's entire volumes of books, not just individuals, but like multiple volumes of books written just for Dungeons and Dragons alone that are just specifically the rules of how it should be played or mm-hmm. can be played, but you don't have to use all those. Yeah. You can literally just make it up as you go along as long as everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. And also along that vein too for the, you know, the usually a lot of these role-playing games have what they call a dungeon master or a game master who's essentially the person who's telling the story and kind of controlling everything. And you're reacting to what they're telling you and they're reacting to what you tell them. Yeah, they are the creator or the generator of the world. Yeah. They tell you if there's a warehouse in front of you mm-hmm. or if it's a river or whatever. Yeah, they're both writing the story and directing at the same time. Correct. Kind of yeah. thing. Um, 
but they have entire volumes of pre-planned out missions that you can buy oh, and yeah. I put mean, characters through. There's thick, thick, thick books. Yeah, that will, you know, they'll explain, okay, you know, if your travelers are going to go do this, this is what you should present to them, and this is what they might see, and this is what you should tell them. Um, but they're... You can easily, you know, deviate from those if you wish. We have. Yeah, where you could say, you know, uh, my players are kind of new, so I'm going to make this monster a little easier to beat. Or, you know, we're not really interested in this part of the story, so I'm going to skip ahead for that. Yeah, you can really cherry pick what parts you like. Yeah, or you can be even more creative, and the GM could write, um, the game master or dungeon master can write an entirely separate mission on their own and have it all of their own creation yeah i mean we have done the as i call them uh sort of um uh book adventures Mm -hmm. where it's here's a pre-planned out thing and yeah i've kind of cherry-picked little things here and there things i thought oh let's skip this uh but other times i have created entire things i once had you um had some of my friends run through an entire campaign based upon the miniseries of the 10th kingdom where it's just all the fairy tales are there you know and that was really fun and i got to plan out the entire continent and where everything is but the thing is when you're doing that you can decide how much you want to plan out Uh and how much you want to present so don't feel like it's an overwhelming prospect because it's however much work you want it to be Mm -hmm. you know if you want it to just be a simple little thing of Little Bo Peep lost her sheep. Go find it. Yeah. You know, you can. <laughs> or if you want to be this huge political drama between the descendants of Little Red Riding Hood and Sleeping Beauty, or like having a major feud over certain territories and there's like succession talks and all that, you can do that too. Uh-huh. You know, how deep you want to make it. <laughs> so that's really cool that you have the full creative abilities and options of how rich do I want to make this world? How much time do I want to spend on this? And all mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And I think... You know, I had a lot of misconceptions into what, like, Dungeons and Dragons was when I went into it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of have seen these images of a bunch of nerdy guys sitting around a table with sheets of paper saying, well, I cast Magic Missile and (laughs) talking in funny voices and things like that. And then... None of them even know what a girl looks like. Yeah. So when Greg invited me to play with his group, I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, this, this might be a little too nerdy for me. Um, but then when we got in there, you know, yes, you have sheets of paper and stuff, but I kind of realized, oh, well, this is very similar to like, um, a video game where Mm -hmm. your character, they take damage and they get, they have so many health points and they want to do an action. So they have to roll dice and that tells them if their action is successful or not, just like in a video game where you try to hit something and you might not actually hit it. And, you know, so it was very similar in that respect. And also, you know, like we said, there's a ton of different types of RPGs. And even within the RPGs, like Dungeons and Dragons, there's a lot of different versions. And they change throughout the versions. So certain exactly. versions might you might like better. And, for instance, the version we play, um, you play with little miniature figurines that you kind of put out on a map. And it helps you kind of just figure out where your character is in relation to the world and the relation to the things around them. And for me, I can't imagine playing it without. I know people do, but like it just helps me understand like when you say an enemy's next to me, okay, well where are they? And where are we in relation to the other players that I'm yeah. playing with and things like that. Like it visually helps me. Even if it's just we, you know, our map is literally just a grid that we draw on markers just yeah. to kind of map it like really basic. Okay. Well, you're in this box kind of thing. Yeah. Here's the room. It's this big. It's this shape. Yeah. exactly. And you have a big, uh, 
bull in front of you with mm-hmm. its razor sharp horns charging towards you. What do you do? Like, okay, now I can see. Yeah. And I should say for those who might be curious, we're that we're talking about Dungeons Dragons Fourth Edition, mm-hmm. but that one specifically is designed to rely heavily upon knowing exactly where the enemy is. Yeah, and because not they all talk of them about are. how the enemies are adjacent to each other or something, but in other versions. That's not an important detail. The idea is more, can you actually hit them? Mm-hmm. And those sheets that you were referring to, Lauren, all that really is, it's just tracking information to help you remember later of how good is your character at doing this versus that. Yeah. Because not every character is going to be masterful at everything. Mm-hmm. So if I make a archer, I'm going to be really good at throwing things. So if I need to like throw a rock to get someone's attention, I'll probably be really good at that. But in terms of a foot race or arm wrestling, maybe not so much. Yeah, and once again, you know, I go back to it's very much like a video game, if you've ever played video games, where you, instead of having all these menus that tell you about what skills your character has and what they're good at, you have sheets of paper that tell you that. And you can refer to them at any time. And, and you update them. Yeah. You know, you you know after you play so long, okay, you've gained some experience or you've gained new items or things like that. So it's very similar to a lot of popular video games out right now. So if you've played a video game, you probably kind of can understand a little bit what we're talking about here. And I should say to anyone who's interested in checking out an RPG and you look at that paper and you're like, wow, that's way too much. Mm-hmm. Remember, like I said, the rules of these games are very flexible and you can really pick and choose. So if it's too much, you don't have to do all that. Uh-huh. I literally played a game with my four and six year old nieces of just making stuff up and then as we went along we just recorded things down like okay you said you can do this let's just remember that you're good at that Mm -hmm. you know and then we would just roll in with a six-sided dice that you can get from any board game and just said okay well for this one let's just say you need to roll a four or higher you know based upon how difficult the situation seemed Uh so it's really um you can make this as simple even for the players Mm -hmm. as much as you want you know so if you're really intimidated by that just try telling the story and just rolling dice to see if it happens or not yeah i mean there's even things i mean we're you know somewhat more experienced players now but like um in a lot of the games if you have like someone who shoots arrows you have to like keep track of how many arrows and that's just a pain so we kind of often will do away with that just because it's it's too much to track and it's one less thing we have to worry about you know exactly so like i said it's it's as in-depth and realistic as you Mm -hmm. want it to be otherwise the point is just to have fun so if you're looking at this just remember you're just here to have fun and just roll with it Mm -hmm. you know uh, but yeah, one thing I don't think we quite alluded to yet, uh, or we we alluded to, but didn't specifically cover, is most of the RPGs do require dice to yes. be rolled. And what that does is that is to account for sort of like the chaos factor of the world. Mm-hmm. Of even though I maybe been practicing for ten years for how to swing a sword, there is that one chance where like, oh, I tweaked my shoulder as I did it, and yeah, like, I didn't I hit you as hard, or... or I slipped, or like the guy dodged at the last second. Mm-hmm. So rolling the dice gives that random factor of did you actually hit him regardless of how proficient you may be all that practice that you had will give you a plus three or plus four to whatever number you roll on the dice and you need to hit always a minimum number of let's just call it 10 in this case yeah because it's not enough to just say oh i shot him it's like well okay you could you know then you could be like i shot him directly you know here and he died right away and i win yeah you know like it's not enough to just be able to say that but meanwhile, if you are aiming for a specific spot and you roll poorly, but well enough to hit, okay, you didn't hit him in the forehead, but you did get him in the shoulder. So yeah. now he's going to be weaker for using that shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it, it can get, like I said, it can get more and more detailed yeah. with it, just depending on how much of the 
experience the DM and the players have and how much they want to get into it. Uh-huh. You know? I mean, once I had this um, this fight where people were fighting giant spiders mm-hmm. and one of them managed to get on top of its back and was stabbing down and says, I want to stab down. I want to stab it right in the back of the head, even though the thing has a whole lot of health points and they rolled well enough. And I said, you know what? Yeah. Regardless of how much dam, how like they only did five damage, but because in my mind they're stabbing a very specific spot that should just be you're done, uh-huh. and they rolled well enough. I said, okay, you got yeah. it, you know, because getting or, up there was hard enough. Or as I usually do, if there's a big creature we're fighting, I ask, uh, I ask Greg if I can make it my pet instead of fighting it, and he always says, well, if you can roll a twenty. Okay, there's this rule <laughs> that some people go by mm-hmm. called the rule of twenty. Yeah. That says that with a 20 set of dice, if you roll a natural 20, meaning no modifiers, it just comes up and it says 20, whatever you want to happen with that roll, it happens mm-hmm. to the best of your ability that you want to. Yeah. So you could say, like, I want to jump over this guy 20. I did this Olympic level gymnastic flips over the guy. <laughs> so Lauren, at the start of each adventure, she comes, she always finds this big creature that she's like, it's a direwolf. It's like ghost from Game of Thrones. <laughs> or like, it's a big dragon that I, or like, not a big dragon, but it's like a little baby like, dragon. Baby dragon. And I want to ride it. And I want it to be my friend. And I will name him Drogon or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but you have to roll a natural. Oh, you just rolled a 20. <laughs> and then she's like, it's my pet. Yay. Because she can tame it. Because she has a skill that lets her try to tame it, you know? So, but yeah, it, and it's stories like that that are just fun. You know? <laughs> Um, now, for those of you who maybe don't feel, I don't have that creative ability, I'm not good at coming up with stuff, you know, don't worry. Like we said, first of all, there are books mm-hmm. that you can do that will give you the adventure. And also, there are lots of books out there to help you learn how to play. Yeah, there's also lots of YouTube videos. I mean, there's a really popular YouTube series called Critical Role mm-hmm. where you watch other people playing and they even have some other like sideshows where they talk about how to be a good game master and exactly. how to do those things. So you can learn a lot from those, watching those and learning how to be better at presenting those kind of games. Exactly. And um, also, I, a side note, there's tons of other resources. If you're like, I want to know how to make a, a, an enemy myself, you mm-hmm. know, this book's to teach you how to do that and give you lots of examples from, you know, like from apes all the way to, you know, like xenomorphs, you know, from like the Aliens movies, you mm-hmm. know, you can, they'll show you all the different monsters and like what their stats could be or what they are like, you know, things like that. But um, for those of you who maybe don't feel that you have that creative thing, but you still want to, you know, roll with this. And maybe like no one wants to step up as the dungeon master. They do have the adventures in a box. Mm-hmm. And those ones are more specifically designed. They still are RPGs because you're still taking on the role of a character and you're getting some experience along the way. You're growing your character, going through the adventure. But there is no dungeon master because the game just presents everything to you. And one example of that specifically that we wanted to talk about is called Mice and Mystics. Mm -hmm. Which in this one, it's still a fantasy setting. But all your characters get shrunk into teeny tiny cute little mice. Yeah. And then they have to fight things like cockroaches and spiders and snakes. (laughs) Yeah, it's also, I think it's somewhat family friendly too. It's very family friendly, yeah. yeah. But in that one, the... The rules are very simplified. Mm-hmm. It gives you specific turn orders. You don't have to figure that out. There's very little math involved. It's just rolling dice, very specific dice to say like, oh, did I hit? Yeah. You know? So actually, if you are new to RPGs and want to try something out, I might highly recommend Mice and Mystics just because it really holds you by the hand and walks you through. This is what an RPG is like. Yeah. If you like this, we can keep going. Or if you're not... Then, hey, I hope you had a good time. At yeah, it's a good introduction. It's a good yeah. way to get your feet wet. Also, the nice thing about that is, you know, part of, I think, 
something that could kind of turn some people off is nobody necessarily wants to be that dungeon master, maybe. Not to say that being a dungeon master isn't fun. I think Greg has a lot of fun. I have a good time with it. But it's sometimes just sometimes just I like the surprise. Be, yeah, and sometimes you just want to be the player and you don't want to... Because um, being a dungeon master can be kind of a lot of responsibility sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, because I've done it, um, you know, I've taken a couple turns as dungeon master before and it, it can be hard to, like, get the group's attention. Because you have to track everything. And you have to track everything. And that can be difficult. And sometimes you're like, I just want an easy, like, I just want to play my character and react. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to think all these things through. Um, so a game like Mice and Mystics doesn't require you have a dungeon master. It kind of the game itself acts as that. So, exactly. you know, it's kind of a nice way to, everybody can kind of get their feet wet. And then, like you said, you can decide if you want to go on from there. And maybe one person's like, you know, I'd really like to be that person kind of yeah. acting as If someone says, hey, master. I've got a good story. Yeah. Or if, hey, I want to try being the storyteller, mm-hmm. you know. And the cool thing about being the dungeon master is that you don't get your own character necessarily, but you get all the monsters and enemies yeah. to throw at them. And all the, like, they, you know, they always have what they call, what is it, NCP? Yeah, NPC. NPC. Non-player characters. Non-player characters, which are just the people that the, the characters will meet, like in a tavern or something yeah. like that. So you also have to kind of, you want to build out those and talk, you know, be able to... <laughs> You know, give dialogue for what they would say. I once had this idea that I wanted to put the our group into mm-hmm. a video game world, and all the NPCs you go to just say one or two dialogues. You go up to one guy, and he just says, "Push B to jump. Push <laughs> B to jump." And I'm like what? <laughs> and we should say, you know, we're ta- talking. I'm sure that there are options for role playing games. Where there isn't necessarily violence, if that's something that you're not really oh, interested no. in. Oh, no. Yeah, this lots of other role-playing Especially games. if you want to do it with kids. And I there actually... are also some that are marketed specifically for playing with kids. So if that's something maybe you want to do as a family with your young kids, mm-hmm. there are those options out there. You just have to look for them. There are actually, uh, I've even heard of these. I haven't played one yet, but I've heard of even romance RPGs. Mm-hmm. Where the object is not to beat someone up, but the object is just to fall in love. You know, to meet somebody, uh-huh. see if you can, um, you know, talk them, you know, into possibly going on a date with you and then just seeing how the date goes, mm-hmm. you know, like, so like there's all sorts of different things. Yeah. yeah. And also the, you know, as we kind of mentioned in the beginning, um, some of these games, not all of them, but some of them have the option for lots of accessories. So if you're someone who, you know, gets excited yeah. about buying accessories for things, there's all sorts of pretty dice out there. There's lots of apps that you can there's, buy to help you track there's things. Apps. Yeah, there's, some free, some expensive, mm-hmm. but the expensive ones can be worth it. Yeah, there's, you know, um, towers that you throw your dice into to make sure they roll nicely. There is this really, really great site. I, mean, I only do it for the fantasy setting. Like Dungeons and Dragons, or there's another one that's like Dungeons and Dragons called Pathfinder. That's another good one too, where uh, it's this company called Dwarven Forge, mm-hmm. and what they do is they make interlockable, interchangeable tile settings that look just like the dungeon or the city. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like really well detailed miniature work. Yeah, that like oh my gosh, it's so fantastic mm-hmm. looking, and I'm like it's expensive, but like honestly, when you see the craftsmanship here, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean it. It can kind of spread out into other hobbies that you might have for instance you know there there are people who they just do like terrain things and they build sets and things like that so maybe someone who's really into like um miniature trains or different settings oh they would love they might you know they might really get into that aspect of playing it or for instance i mentioned that i got really into the miniatures that we play with greg had a bunch of them um, that were like pre-painted. You can buy some pre-painted in packs. I and literally stuff. went onto eBay and I mm. bought like what's called just a lot set, where it's just some guys like I got a grab bag and I'm just gonna dump a bunch into a box yeah. and email it to you. And I was like, awesome. Yeah, and sometimes um, like Dungeons and Dragons, they'll have like 
you know, this certain storyline and they'll sell miniatures specifically for that storyline yeah. and you can buy like box sets. But for the most part, usually you buy miniatures in singles and they are unpainted. And so I got really into painting my own miniatures and it's kind of like a, a stress relieving thing. I find it's very, it's yeah, kind of soothing. like, you know, a lot, some people got for a while, got really into the um, adult coloring books, which I actually have always really loved to color, but yeah, it just, I picked that up and I just found it really fun to paint my own and it's kind of an expensive hobby, but it's a lot of fun. But I've noticed too, there's a good community online that teaches other people how to do certain there techniques. Is, yeah. Like, Oh, do you want to do like a good, like kind of like, like a blending of colors. Here's mm -hmm. how you do that. Do you want to do shading to make it look like lights coming from a certain point of, yeah. you know, onto the character? Here's how you do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And you, and I've definitely noticed like skills going up in your categories of like, you know, how well you paint. You know? Yeah. And I mean, there's some people. And you out... compare your first ones versus your most recent one. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, we post some of the pictures of my miniatures on our Instagram. So if you want to see, I'm not the best, but I'm okay. There's some people doing out it, there. But I'm not good, so. Gray's getting pretty good, though. You know, uh, I don't do it as often enough, so like yeah. whenever I learn a lesson, I forget it. To tell the truth. <laughs> I don't have time lately. But. Yeah, um, but there's some people out there who are amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like photorealistic amazing. Yeah, like and when you consider a lot of these miniatures, the ones I paint in particular are usually 30 uh, millimeters. That's and, like just over an inch tall or something like that. Yeah, like two inches tall. There are some that are bigger, but for the most part, that's like the standard size. And when you see some of these ones that people are doing with like airbrushing and stuff, it's crazy. It's Anyways, but yeah, so that's kind of our introduction to RPGs. Yeah, and we'll be doing more, you know, talks about RPGs later on, more talks about Dungeons and Dragons. We just wanted to give people who are new to them mm -hmm. kind of an introduction on what they are. Um, how you play them, and you know what are your options out there for getting into them. Yeah, and for those of you who are thinking about starting an RPG party with friends who haven't done it, what I would recommend is either A, getting a pre-made box where mm -hmm. everything's in there, like Mice and Mystics, or there's even some Dungeons and Dragons one, like the uh, Curse of Strahd, where it's all your character sheets are in there, everything's done for you, you just got to pick a player and go. Uh -huh. You know, um, or even just making your own, but just kind of... Tell everyone ahead of time, remember guys, we're here to have fun. Don't get caught up in the rules too much. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing because when people get shown like this whole encyclopedia full of rules, yeah, they will freak out. Mm -hmm. They will say, oh God, I have to know all this. But if you remind them, you know, if a situation comes up and we can't find it in the rule book in like a minute, then just go with whatever's going to make it more fun. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I say. You yeah. Know? Like, if, if it's like, oh, I don't know, should you be poisoned because you ate something that maybe was bad or not? You know, like just whatever's going to be funnier and more entertaining for the group. Yeah, I mean, that that's the whole thing is it's about having fun. So don't get so caught up in rules and regulations to where it's not fun. Keep the story moving. Keep everyone mm -hmm. engaged. And most of all, if you are going to be the dungeon master, remember, you are not the enemy of the players. <laughs> that is a, I, I will admit I fell into that trap myself. And I think you know that a couple of times. But as long as you remember, you're there to provide fun and to create a, a fun and engaging environment and to not be the enemy. You're there to provide a challenge, not a death sentence. <laughs> yes. Then it's going to be a lot Even of Even when you've planned out a bunch of stuff and the players go completely against you. I am you. so... I'm still fuming over that gold pile. <laughs> it's a whole long story. Yeah, Don't our, worry about it. It but. just happens that our group of friends who plays together... Um, and part of this is me because I tend to be the instigator. One is I usually want to come up with a creative solution to get us out of fights. Which I love. Or to get it's, us around it's, it's, fighting. It's, it's creative and clever. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll usually come up with or will usually come up with something as a group 
that you know completely changes the changes the course of what's happening mm-hmm. so that we either don't have to fight as many people or you know something happens because for some reason i have this weird thing about i don't like to take any damage <laughs> And I get really mad when I take damage. So I try you to... scuffed me. I know. So I try to find ways out of things constantly. Or, you know, like, Greg planned this whole cool casino. He came up with games that our characters could play. I literally came up with unique games that they could play using the dice. And, like, no, we're just going to rob it. We're just going to rob it. <laughs> but we came up with a really unique way to rob it. <laughs> An entire afternoon planning how this casino works. No, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to rob it. Okay. But see, but that's on me because I had fun planning that. Mm -hmm. And even though, yeah, technically you could view that as, oh, that time's wasted. I still have that Mm -hmm. though. So if I have a want, I can go back and use that. It's still in my notes. I have a whole file on my computer. Uh That's all those notes, you know, and I still enjoy doing it. So. And you enjoyed the craziness of of what we came up with. But I'm just pointing out to anyone who is thinking about becoming a dungeon Uh master or a game master. Remember, even if you make all this stuff and this whole beautiful world on the path to the left and they say, no, we're going to go to the right instead. Don't get disheartened. It's just that's something you can save for later. Mm-hmm. That's something you could input somewhere else later on. Yeah. Know? So just... And the other thing is if you're the dungeon master, they don't know what you had planned anyway. So yeah. you can always reintroduce what you had planned somewhere. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If you were supposed to meet some guy on day one, why can't you meet the same guy on day five? Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, so that was our little introduction to RPGs. If you liked, uh, if you started to play any RPGs mm-hmm. from this, if you have any um, wants for further recommendations, or if you did start to play with, uh, contact us actually. Yeah, and we'll definitely have more episodes later on because there's way more to get into with RPGs. Oh yeah. So we've been talking about one kind of group game, but let's let's transition now back into kind of our more standard, and let's do a review of a party game. So for this episode, we received and played a new party game. It's called Friend or Foe, a game of ridiculously revealing questions. I should point out foe is spelled F-A-U-X. Yes. (laughs) As in false. And this one is not family friendly. It's not for the kids. Well, it can be. Well, and they actually, um, they are making a version that is family friendly. No, Yeah, but, but I was about to point out that this one, it can be family friendly based upon how far you play. Because how the game works is there is five different colored decks Mm -hmm. numbering themselves. One, two, three, four, five. And you have sheets of paper and you're supposed to all, like one person. It's kind of like the newlywed game Uh where one person will be asked a question such as, and I'm reading this off a card. If a bowl of ice cream and a bowl of chips are placed in front of Greg, which one would he rather eat? Mm -hmm. And everyone then has to on their card put... Oh, do I think the ice cream with a bowl of potato chips, you know? And then I would reveal, I would do the ice cream first. Yeah, and then whoever put ice cream gets a point. So like I said, it's kind of like uh, the newlywed game. Yeah. Oh, I matched what his answer was. Mm -hmm. Now, as you go along in the decks, that was the number one question. Yeah. And everyone does a number one question, and everyone has good laughs, and blah, 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 and you move on. Uh, But then the number two one, it gets a little bit more complicated. It's It's not just a yes or no thing. It's... Uh, or maybe it's more of a moral choice, you know, mm-hmm. like not as easy. Like if Greg had to wear either a crop top or booty shorts to the grocery store, which would he pick? You know, oh, now I really have to think what Greg, uh-huh. which would Greg be more embarrassed to wear, you know, things like that. But then as you get along, you get to be a bit more open-ended questions. Like what would Greg say is the worst thing about being a man? Now that's not just yes or no. Uh-huh. That's anything could be that. Yeah. But then when you get to levels four and five, 
we start to get to a bit more adult sections mm-hmm. such a, and i'm going to use the uh the newlywed game lingo here uh-huh. where is the craziest place that greg has made whoopee <laughs> or uh has greg ever used food while performing whoopee so like you know it's mm-hmm. this yeah they are making a family-friendly version of this where they yes. kind of eliminate four and five or at least they replace those with more complicated open-ended questions but this game if you do want to play it with uh, even adults who are not comfortable Mm-hmm. with those more mature questions just don't do decks four and five yeah just leave mm-hmm. those out just keep doing one two and three yeah um and so you can play this with um i think it says uh two to up you know you can play with as many people as, as you many wanted. as you want really um and you play i believe you do you do about five rounds you do five rounds um and so each person's answering these questions. The one thing we found, well, there's also another element to the card. There is, if, if I give an answer, for example, going back to that uh, bowl of ice cream versus bowl of potato chips. Mm-hmm. If I said potato chips and Lauren's like, no, I have been dating you for a couple of years. You would do the ice cream first. There is a, um, a BS card yes. that you can throw down. It says the word with an exclamation point for the yes. I. But it's the BS card, and you can put that down and say, no, I'm calling that. That's like a red card in, in soccer. Like, mm-hmm. nope, nope, not true. You need to take that back. And then you can have a little argument over it, you know. So that's kind of a fun thing, too. We had that played a couple of times with yeah. uh, one or two of the answers that we had for our game. Yeah, we we didn't use it as much as you might think. I don't know. Because there wasn't really any motivation to lie, necessarily. So... No, but there was one where I remember where uh, our friend Christiana, she said an answer and I was like, it was like, would she rather have a good meal or a really good drink? And she said drink and I threw down the card like, no, you you like to eat food. You do not like to drink. You like yeah. to eat. Um, the only problem we sort of had with this game really um, is that some of the questions were very specific in a way that unless you'd known the person for a super long time, you wouldn't necessarily be able to answer things like who was my best friend growing up? Well, for the most of us who are adults, we probably didn't, haven't known our friends that long. And even like, that's a hard question even for, to answer about yourself sometimes because your answer also might change. You might, depending on who you're thinking about at that time. Um, so we did, you know, there was some struggle with answering those, um, a couple of times. Case, I think we just mulliganed. We a couple just times mulliganed. we mulliganed, or then we also kind of started this house rule thing of coming <laughs> up with funny answers. Like oh. I believe, um, for a, somebody's celebrity pass, Greg wrote. For, for our friend Chris, it said, who's your celebrity hall pass? Who's the uh-huh. one celebrity that you'd be allowed to date? If you don't know, you met them in person. Uh-huh. And uh, he said somebody else. And I said, no, you know the answer is Daenery, Mother of Dragons, Break of Change, Misa of the People. You know? Yeah, and he wrote, and I wrote all of that out. in this tiny little box. <laughs> and even though we were all wrong, he says, you know what? Greg gets the point because that's like... It's just funny. It's yeah. too good to Yeah, and it was up. just funny because he, he wrote the entire thing out. So we kind of came up with, you know, our own house rules where it was like, well, if it's funny, we'll give you points for it. Yeah. Um, the... Surprisingly, uh, this game, I wasn't sure when we got it how big of a hit it would be, mm-hmm. but it actually turned into like our friends really liked playing oh, it. Oh, we, yeah, we played it. And yeah. like I said, it can be hard. You know, I'm sure it gets really hard with big groups. Um, I could definitely see if you maybe haven't known people 
that long. I mean, our friends that we played it with, we've only known them for a couple of years, although we are fairly close with them. We see them a lot. And so some of the questions were a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, and some of the questions are kind of revealing. <laughs> but like we said, if, if you are not comfortable with that question, just pull uh-huh. another card. Yeah. You know, or ignore that question. Just make up a silly one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it, it was kind of like the RPG thing. This does have some flexibility. Like I said, if you are playing with an audience that you know would not be comfortable with the more risque uh, options near the end, don't go that deep into the decks. Mm-hmm. Only go up to decks one, two, and three. Don't go to four and five. Because four and five, I, I believe that's the cutoff between three and four of when the adult questions start to pop up. Yeah. Um, so the game can be found at um, playfriendorfoe.com. Um, this game actually, uh, something I saw that was really cool is it was actually created by four women who had been friends. Really? So yeah, so I thought that was really cool. And they didn't have any game experience. They all came from different walks of life. They were just all good friends. That's interesting. And they wanted something that they could all play and come together and have a good time to play. That's really cool. I like that. Um, so like I said, you can get it on their website. It is actually at the moment out of stock on their website it's because it's that good yeah and also you know probably getting into the christmas season everyone's always looking for a new party game yeah um you can get it on uncommongoods.com and it runs about 25 dollars. but i'd say that's a fair price for this game definitely yeah um so the, and they also um social media they i know they have an instagram it's also play friends or foe um so, you know, you can follow them there as well. I'm sure they'll probably get more in stock soon. It might just be the beginning of the holidays. They're waiting for a shipment or something. So we definitely would, I'd say we recommend Friend or Foe as um, your new party game. I gave it six out of seven uh, golden lemons, whatever that means. <laughs> he doesn't even know. <laughs> so, Greg, this game actually was originally a Kickstarter. Oh. And that's something that I've been getting into recently i just recently backed my first couple games mm-hmm. on kickstarter that yeah, there was really that one that was about. like jack the ripper or something wasn't it oh uh, no it's sleepy hollow sleepy hollow that's what it was yeah something about dead people yeah and it, it's it's a weird experience because like the one i backed and it's successful and everything but it's not going to ship for like a year and so i was a little bummed about that but some of the other ones are going to come i sooner. actually did a kickstarter about a year or so ago and it was for an app to help you create and track maps digitally for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh-huh. So it's funny that you bring that up because, yeah, I did a Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't do it, but I contributed <laughs> to a Kickstarter. Sorry. So, although I'm excited about those Kickstarters, um, we are getting into the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it would be fun if we talked our um, most wanted games oh, for the okay. coming year. Yeah, so, sure. let's get into the dice roll and talk about our holiday wish list. Okay, so I'll go first then. Since you introduced the topic, you're so kind. <laughs> nice little segue there. Um, uh, for my number three Christmas holiday wish list mm-hmm. for board games, I've been wanting to play this for a while now. And it's just, we, we've had a couple chances where we could have played it, but we just, there was something else going on or like some other game that caused attention more. And I really know that I'd love to play this game. And it's called The King of Tokyo or The King of New York. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a game where you are taking on the role of a Godzilla or King Kong-like monster, you know, where it's like this huge creature and there's all sorts of different fun characters and they all have different abilities and you're trying to prove that you're the king of the town. And King of Tokyo, King of New York, that's just a location issue, you know, it's uh-huh. they're pretty much the same game. 
Um, and there's, it's all about dice rolling and deciding, should I back off or should I go heal? Should I get power up so I can like shoot laser beams out of my eyes or rocket, or like rocket punch? And it, it just sounds like stupid, crazy fun. <laughs> I think I would enjoy it. I think our friends would enjoy it too, you know? And, um, it's one of those ones I think goes from like two to six players, maybe four. Yeah. And I seem to remember that one was on our family friendly list too. A lot of people play it with their kids. They do. Yeah. And it's just one that I've never got a chance to play. And I mm-hmm. think I'm having to good Yeah. Time. We see it all the time. It was even, um done in an episode of tabletop it's just we've never gotten around to it yeah for whatever reason um so my number three is going to be a game it's called joking hazards interesting this is another party game which we've kind of established that if you look at my game collection versus greg's collection i have all the party games i tend to get all the party games and greg gets all more of the other types of games i like to get the ones that have a really interesting theme to them Uh uh-huh yeah you know and like maybe they're not party games maybe the one you only want to go to once every year or so Mm -hmm. but they definitely have a really deep and interesting theme yeah um, so joking hazards, it's very similar in the vein of, say, you know, your friend or foe that we just played or um, your tic- uh, Cards Against Humanity or something like that. Only what this one does um, is you are building a comic strip. Uh-huh. So essentially you put down two cards and then everybody around puts down what they think the final panel the butt of the joke essentially oh, should be. Interesting. And then that person votes on who, which are they don't vote, but the judge decides, oh, that one was the funniest and they get the point. Okay. So it's pretty simple. It's just instead of saying like Cards Against Humanities, where you're all trying to come up with something funny to go mm-hmm. along with the black card, this one you're coming up with something funny to finish the panel of comics. I like that. That's fun. Yeah. Very interesting. My number two, actually, now this is a bit of a sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. And I might have to show you pictures because I only discovered this recently, but I, I found it to be such an interesting game. Mm-hmm. It's called Photosynthesis. Oh, I think I've heard about this. And it's actually this game. I'm showing sure Lauren yes, a picture I've right seen now pictures of this. where you are growing trees in a forest. <laughs> and while you're doing that, you have to consider how tall your tree is and how the sunlight's going to hit it around with the other trees to see if it's going to continue to grow or not. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about the game is that everyone takes turns, everyone has different colored trees. And at the end of it, no matter who wins or loses, you actually have this really cool little forest that you just grew, you know? So I kind of like that. (laughs) It's funny because, like, I would have bet money on either that game or there's also one out now where you're playing, like, different diseases in the body or something, Mm -hmm. which also sounds like right up Greg's Avenue because he loves science. Trust me, that that was there too, yeah. But just, like I said, I like ones that have a unique kind of theme or premise Uh and like the idea of just like, the and it seems kind of calm and relaxing too, just like growing trees. Yeah, it's kind of, um, what's the other one? Um, Takedo that we always feel, it's very calm because you're just, you know, you're going on a vacation. There's not a lot of conflict in that game. It's like a very de-stressful game. Yeah. You know, so I'm voting, uh, I'm uh, putting photosynthesis on my Santa wish list. (laughs) So next on my Santa wish list is, of course, my favorite game. Ticket to Ride is coming out with a new France expansion. Oh, maybe. Yes. It's France on one side and Old West on the other side. That's going to be a cool one. And from what I've heard, the new, because every Ticket to Ride, it's pretty much the same game. But there's always a new element or something new that they add to the game. Yeah, which is fun. And it's great because you don't have to relearn anything. You know the game. You just have to learn one new thing, one new rule, one new step or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So from what I've heard, I don't know if the Wild West has anything special about it. It probably does. But the um, France has um, a way for you to, at the very start of the game, you get to select the colors of the different routes. 
So essentially, the board game could change from game every to day, game. every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I thought maybe they were stickers, but I think they're just little mats that you lay out. On I the would trains. hope they're mats, not stickers. Yeah, that way it does change it exactly. Time. So every time, you know, what would normally be a blue route could be a yellow route or something like that. Here's my one problem with that, though. Mm-hmm. Based upon me and how I play games, I like to sometimes like lean over the table where they really look at things. I would nudge or bump the thing. <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, oh, now they're all askew and we got to fix them. <laughs> you know, and so that would be a problem that well, I would encounter. That happens all the time in Ticket to Ride anyway because you bump the trains. No, but I'm saying, like, can you imagine now if not only the trains are bumped, but the entire routes <laughs> yeah. are bumped? Like, oh, I don't remember <laughs> what this like, was oh. at all. This route's going to go here instead. Yeah. Oh. I, thought already, I thought already went from Dallas to Omaha. I guess not. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward because I, I like, I haven't met a Ticket to Ride game I haven't liked. And mm-hmm. I'm really big into the app now. So I actually have met a Ticket to Ride I didn't like. And that was that, I think I mentioned this before, the uh, Asia one. Where oh. like it has the weird little routes mm-hmm. that like you make you lose a train. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't. I've only played the Asian one a couple times um, on the uh, the app. The one that I have a really hard time with on the app is the India route. That's my favorite one. Oh, that one! That's I so can, good. So far, I have not been able to beat it. At you got to do the the mandala circles. Yeah, I, the, the the computer. I'm guy really good at that. I'll that play one. with that. Anyway. I haven't actually. The the only other one that I haven't played through the app or physical, I think, is Africa because Africa is not offered through the. App. Haven't touched that one. Yeah. Yeah, so. Africa's not on the app. Okay, so what's your um, top pick for Well, I mean, Santa? It, it, this one should be obvious to you, at least for me. Um, we've been playing through uh, this game a lot lately. We've been really going through the adventure. And uh, once we are done, I would like to then purchase and continue on our journey with Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Yes, which we're watching all these people buying right now online. Yeah, and, and we're getting excited. It's it's getting good. And we're we're only like four months in, but we've done really good so far for Season 1. We've, we've yeah. done miraculously good. We've only had three outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't lost a round We haven't yet. lost a round, haven't got any scars yet. We've been yeah. really careful because, thankfully, it's only just been contained to yellow and red, essentially. Blue mm-hmm. and black haven't been an issue for us yeah but um i i gotta i keep saying this i got a bad feeling about the next time that we, we play. We've, yeah we've just gotten so lucky that it feels like our luck has to run out the um the last time we played we kept going and going and we hadn't gotten any um outbreak cards mm-hmm. or that's what they're called right yeah Not, uh, we oh, epidemic epidemic we hadn't gotten any epidemic cards and we were just every time we pulled one we were like Oh my God, we're gonna get a bunch in a row. We just know it. We just know it. And it happened that we 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 beat it. We got whatever our objective was. And so we were like, "How is it that we did not pull an epidemic card?" And so our friends started flipping over what was left in the deck that and we didn't have to. With the last eight cards, we found all five epidemics. Yeah. So we we were just like on that edge of total just disaster, total de- destruction, chaos. Yeah. But I mean, we just got whoa, so lucky that whoa. those were all at the bottom. But at the same time, we also had a little bit of a drawback because um, with that particular game, I won't spoil too much, but it did say like, oh, when you get two epidemics this game, this new rule comes into play mm-hmm. or when the game is over, you know, whichever comes uh, first. And so we didn't get a chance to really experience that new rule. So we're going to have to jump into the next game with like a ton of new information. Yeah. And really try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but we, and this is the first, I think, at least for me, this was the first legacy game that I've played. Yeah, me too, so actually. It, it was our first time. Though. And even with our friends, like they, when we kind of introduced us to them, I mean, we've all played Pandemic before and they were really like, wait, 
we're actually putting these stickers on the board. We're actually ripping up, up these cards. cards. And it was really hard for them at first, but now like this idea that this board is changing and it's permanent and these things are permanent. It's really And that's staying there and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and just I think for all of us, because we're all kind of interested in um, game design in different forms, mm-hmm. um, the planning that must have gone into this. and oh, the Yeah, the construction and coming up with all these things and making them all balanced and work right. It just, it's really impressive. It's really, really amazing. So we're all excited for season two. So my number one Santa wish list item is a game that we actually were just talking about um, in our main topic. It's Mice and Mystics. Hey! <laughs> it's actually a game I've wanted for a while. It's kind of pricey. You just want to paint the minis. Don't lie to me. I do. I, it comes with these adorable little mouse figurines, and I want to paint them very badly. Would you also be willing <laughs> to paint the spider and the scorpion and snake or whatever? I mean, I, could, I don't think you have a problem with bugs, but I don't no, know. I don't. I've never really seen you encounter bugs. I only The only problem I have is um, I don't like centipedes. That's the only bug I, I don't like. I think there's a centipede in there, to tell the truth. Well, I, it, it wouldn't... Painting a fake one wouldn't bother me. Okay. Because some people <laughs> just looking at it and be like, oh, oh yeah. God. No, I don't like the real thing. Okay. Um, or, yeah, centipedes or millipedes. Those two, I don't. The same difference, like. really. Yeah. But I've wanted this game for a long time. It's kind of pricey. Um, but, yeah, part of it is just I want the miniatures. I think it's really cute. Mm-hmm. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. Um, also, it'd be nice for you to not have to play the Dungeon Master all the time that we could all play together. It'd be nice. <laughs> so that is on the top of my Santa wish list. And we hope that... Santa brings you all great games as well. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever the uh, uh, Kwanzaa version of Santa yeah, is. Yeah, or, you know, mom and dad or whomever buys your gifts and brings your gifts. Mom and dad don't buy me anything. It's just the magical uh, It's the magical pickle that lives in the sky. <laughs> it's Krampus. Yeah, Krampus. He brings me all sorts of gifts. <laughs> See, that's how it works. Krampus, he steals the gifts from the bad boys and mm-hmm. girls and gives them to me because I deserve them. <laughs> but, of course, you know, when it comes to you and I, what's on the top of our Santa wish list? More escape rooms. Escape rooms. (laughs) (laughs) So for our escape room report this um, month, we are talking about a room that we've been waiting to do for a while. Um, This one is a local room. It's in Anaheim, which is near where we live. And it is um, the Cromwell Estate. And for whatever reason, every time we've been trying to go do this one, it's been booked. And they only have one room. Yeah. And it's called The Den. Mm-hmm. We should say, first of all, getting there, finding the place at dark was, was half the challenge. Kind of a, kind of a challenge because uh, the this I let me start off by saying this is a really well done room. I think that they did a lot of things very well. But the sign, there's no signage for there's the building. There's no outside signage. There's one sign that's on the door, but it's like kind of like clear, not opaque. Yeah, you couldn't and see it. And at night, like we couldn't see it. It's like in this building that's like part of like the rest of this industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look exactly at it, like you're not going to find yeah, it. Yeah, the only reason we actually saw it is we were, I, well, mainly I had my phone. And I was, you know, like GPSing. And it. you were like, it says we're here. I, I'm like, it's somewhere in here. And so Greg was just slowly driving through the parking lot and it just happened. I looked through the one door and saw the sign on like their um, desk inside. And that's how I knew. I, I was like, <laughs> I don't, I think that's just some business that's like, I don't think that's it. Mm. Um, so one of the reasons that we really wanted to do this room is it had gotten a really good review on the Escape Authority, which mm-hmm. is um, a review site that we like to use to kind of find out about new escape rooms. Oh, yeah. Um, so obviously we had really high hopes for this room. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I will, I'm going to give um, 
really good props to the escape authority guys for is they're really good about when they review a location, they really focus just on the room. And mm-hmm. it's all about the room and it's not, nothing else matters. It's if the room's well done, if the puzzles are good, even, you know, even like for them, the same as us, theme's important to a point and set design is important to a point. Oh, yeah. But if the puzzles are good, it doesn't so much matter if maybe, you know, your room's not the prettiest, as mm-hmm. long as you have a good story and good puzzles that go along with that story. Um, so, you know, f- but for us normal consumers... You know, there can also be other factors that go into that. Including where the room is. Where the room is. Yeah, obviously this was a little bit difficult to find. I, You know, it would be nice if they maybe get some better signage. But um, when we first walked into this location, I immediately had to give a disclaimer to our friends that this room had been highly reviewed yeah. and was supposed oh, to be exactly really good. I know exactly where you're going already. Yeah. 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 Because when we walked in, <laughs> the lobby was completely empty. Nobody was in there. The It was a little bit shabby. The, the walls were just painted with red and black. Like, yeah, it, it this, was made like, to look like a dusky sunset thing. or something. Yeah. But it was like super matte. Uh-huh. And it was like, I, uh, I could have done a better and job. And it smelled very strongly of cigarette smoke. It did? It's, I don't, I don't yes. recall that, but I believe you. It smelled very strongly of cigarette smoke and like really strong cologne. Which I smelled think, the cologne. Which we think may have been, we saw an air freshener plugged in. Oh. Um, and yeah. so for both myself and for really for one of our friends, we both have allergies and asthma problems and strong smells like that can really set us off, especially our one friend. Um, she can have a real problem with strong smells and stuff, giving her headaches or giving her an asthma attack. Um, and... So, you know, or, or other things too, um, we didn't, well, Greg did, but we didn't go into the bathroom at this location, but we've had some where, you know, you mm-hmm. go in the bathroom and it's just filthy and you're like, uh, you know, just, you know, little Seven things. Out of ten. Yeah. Little kind of those little business things that, you know, a customer or a consumer pays attention to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, f- right away, our friends were a little put off because they're like, uh, you know, is this going to be a terrible room? And I kept saying, you know, Hey, it got really good reviews. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, the other thing that we liked about this room is at least right now, it hasn't always been the case. And I don't know, cause I know they're doing some kind of like fall special right now. Um, they, you don't get paired with strangers in this room. Thankfully. Yeah. I do not like being paired with strangers. I mean, I'm pleasant and I'll be polite and nice and with them. And we've had good experiences. But just but normally, my, it, yeah. the lack of communication there really kills you because I don't know your name and I don't want to say, hey, buddy, or hey, lady. Like, Yeah. Know. Well, yeah. And it just, we have a really good um, working relationship with our friends mm-hmm. where we communicate really well with them. I know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. You know mine. And so yeah. if I see that you're working a puzzle that maybe is not in your wheelhouse, I'll say, move, I will get that. Yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, we know Greg's really good at certain things, but we'll be like, Greg, I think you're overcomplicating it. You need to like no think, think in a different method. I still say my solution to that picture puzzle was correct. And I don't know what they were thinking with their silly thing, but <laughs> they're wrong. I'm right. I'm sorry. Um. So, you know, we had to really convince our friends that it was fine. Um, you know, the, we eventually were greeted by the staff and, you know, filled out the paperwork and whatever, and were led up to the room. What's interesting about this room, and this is something that we've never had, is the escape experience actually doesn't start in the room. It starts just before the room. It, yeah, essentially you go up some stairs, mm-hmm. which also this room is not friendly if you are um, handicapped at all, unfortunately. Yeah. Because you do have it's to go upstairs. upstairs yeah. Um, and a pretty narrow staircase. Um, so the experience actually happens because you're part of it is you're trying to break into a house essentially. And mm. so it starts at the front door of the house. Yeah. Um, what I think that this room 
does really well is it's very creative with its puzzles. Yes. And it's it has moments for theming, like the actual like, you know, build of the room. But really, its strength is in its puzzle design. Yeah. The outside, I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that the outside, you're outside of the house. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to be like in the woods and you find this cabin or house in the woods at Uh the top of this small hill. So the stairs you're climbing is like you going up the hill. Yeah. You know, and then like there's all these vines and ivy on the walls around you to make you feel like you're in a forest. The initial set design is fantastic. They put most of the set design into that initial approach to the room. Yeah, which I loved. I think that was fantastic. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. As soon as I opened the door, like, Oh, there's like nothing in here. Yeah, their set design's very minimal. Um, also, I would say some of their props have kind of gone through some wear and tear. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, aside from the kind of minimalness about it, you know, it does kind of go with the story because essentially what happens is you you're stranded, your car's been um, tampered with, so it doesn't start. And so you're trying to call for help, but um, you know that whoever tampered with your car is still out there. Yeah. So you see this house, no one's answering, so you break in. So you don't really know, does someone live here or not? Mm-hmm. So the fact that it is so minimal could kind of add, kind of adds to that. It kind of makes it creepy. As far as it looking like a house, it's not maybe the best we've ever seen. Yeah. But the puzzles definitely make up for it. I agree. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, the problem was that I had is that some of the puzzles and some of the solutions were done in ways that were slightly different Mm -hmm. than what we're used to. Like at one point, and I'm trying not to do spoilers as much as I can, but there is a key that you have to find that normally you would take out of its hiding place and then take it to the lock. Uh But this key was attached to its hiding place. So you had to take it. All the way, and so I'll do the general example here, not to spoil anything. But let's say that the key was hidden inside of a shoe. Mm-hmm. Normally, you would take the key out of shoe, put shoe down, walk over to the lock, and undo it. But in this case, the key is tied to the shoe, mm-hmm. so you had to take the entire shoe with you over there. And it's like, <laughs> why am I taking this entire shoe? Should I just be able to take just the key? You know, it, it, little things like that. Like, yeah, they kind of was... threw me for a loop, so it's kind of creative, I guess. But at the same time, like. Uh, why? Yeah, the the only the other one too that I thought was a little weak was when you first come up to the house, the way to get in is very straightforward. There's no real challenge to it. I saw this. You guys st- grabbed the thing before I even saw what the heck was there. No, because literally as we were walking up the stairs, I'm like, oh, there's the key. I saw it. Like, I didn't know. Like, yeah. So I was like, oh, it's right here. Like, you it know. Was, for you, it was practically, or it might as well have already been in the lock. Yeah, exactly. Because it was just like, I could see it as we were walking. So I think they could have maybe hit it a little bit better. Like, at least get like a false stone to like turn over. I know, like right? a Like a, it's on top of the door frame yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, the other thing is this room does use an actor. Mm. Oh, God. Um, which it's funny because they don't, <laughs> they don't advertise that. And they mentioned it to you briefly. Um, but it was almost like... When- I thought they meant that the actual... Okay, it's, it's supposed to be your serial killer's house. Yeah. So when they said an actor, I thought they meant the actual serial killer's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, we heard footsteps. They're like, oh, he's coming. Hide, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do um, some interesting things with the way the room is um, sounds and things mm-hmm. where I don't know if it was a track plane or what, but it literally at one point, we could hear someone coming up the stairs coming through the door in the other room and we were literally like we don't know what this is so we're like shut the door shut the yeah, door yeah because we were out of the main uh, mud room and we're it, now it had the gone official into another den, room yeah into the den 
and we could close the door. And I was like, yes, let's do that. Let's like start like compartmentalizing ourselves yeah. here, you know, because I don't want whatever's in there to come uh -huh. in here. And this actor, he definitely scared Greg pretty good. Oh, yes. Because he kind of came out when we were not expecting him, when we'd kind of forgotten that there was going to be another person in the room with us. There was a moment where uh, a secret door opens up. I won't say where, uh -huh. but it's low. And I had to bend down to get there. And somehow you had already seen that the person was there, but I didn't. Uh -huh. And so as I get down, I'm about to crawl through. He like bursts out and goes, ah, yeah. And, was, and I jump back as hard as I could, like, like a reflex, you know, yeah. like I need to survive, get away from the danger. You and know? of course me being a, a, the brat I am, I made the suggestion that this actor should make him his best buddy and should make it his mission to scare him throughout the night. Yeah. You were like, oh, Greg, now you're his target. You know yeah, that, right? Because and you got so the scared. guy was like, yes. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is because we've done a couple other rooms with actors before, What's interesting about their use of the actor is he is not really there to help you. No. In fact, if anything, he is there to confuse you and, to and distract, distract you. you. Yeah. Which and, he does very well. He did because there's a moment. we It's a dark room mm -hmm. as per usual. Yeah. And we all have our own little mini flashlights. Which is something I really liked. They, they, they gave us flashlights. each a little flashlight. Thank you. Which was so helpful because there's so many times where, you know, you're just like, oh, who has the flashlight? I can't see what this now, is. Now, what and... I'm curious about, do you think they put four flashlights in there because there's four of us? Or do you think that there's just four flashlights I don't in there? know. I don't know. That would be curious because having four flashlights, I feel like is the minimum number you should have. Yeah. If you have six people, you can still deal with four flashlights. Yeah. But to have just two flashlights with like... X number of people, uh -huh. X can be anything greater than two. That's kind of, But you each know. having our own was really nice. Yes, yeah. but there was literally a moment where I had to be crouched down and looking into a corner to read this thing on the wall. And then I look behind me, like in the other direction, and the dude's there like 12 feet away. And I'm like, stay in your corner, dude. Stay in your corner. <laughs> and then I turn back around and I hear a little shuffle to try to read it. But like, it immediately goes out of my head because I'm yeah. not focusing on reading it. I'm turning back around. Now he's eight feet away. Stay in your corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at one point I was like, Someone else read this because I have to watch him. I felt like a parent with yeah. a naughty child. Yeah, he kept like moving around the room. Yeah, and he would kind of like shuffle up behind you. And then at one point we were trying to do something in this room and we didn't know where he was. He kept like wandering off. Oh, Lord. And there were kind of different places where he could like pop out and scare us, which he would do sometimes. So, mm. you know, one person's doing that and I'm just watching the hall waiting for him to like rush us or, you know, yep. whatever. Because he would go out of the room and like bang on doors all of a sudden. Or at one point there was this one section he could go into and he could reach up and like try to grab us. Mm. And he really got one of our friends at one point and scared. Him. And the funnest part of all was at the very end, we mm -hmm. get into a last room and I'm like, let's compartmentalize, close the door. I don't want that guy sneaking up on me. Yeah, I want to solve this last puzzle. Because we were constantly worried about where he was. Yeah. And I'm like, we. I don't know how much time we have left because there's not really a clock in the room. Yeah. You know? Which yeah. is fine. Yeah. That was the only bad thing is the clock was only in one room. So we didn't really know once we but got into usually as long as I'm allowed to have it, I keep my watch on a stop timer, uh -huh. you know? So, but I was like, we got time, but close the door. I don't want to deal with him. Mm -hmm. I want to just focus on this puzzle. And so we do. And I'm pushing in the code for the last door. And I open the door. And the actor then pops up, surprise or congratulations. Yeah. And I jump back again. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know what? I went to him and I shook his hand. And I said, you know what? Really good job. I really commend you. You did a great job, mm -hmm. but seriously, get bent. <laughs> yeah, so it was just their use of um, an actor was really interesting because usually, you know, even in some of the other rooms, like we've talked about the basement, those actors, they, they'll they sometimes help you a little bit. Mm -hmm. They might try, you know, kind of they indirectly. They might give you a key they'll kind or of, like mumble some incoherent yeah, thing. Yeah, or they'll start like messing with something and you realize, oh, there's something oh, over there. Oh, yeah. 
Um, this one, he's really there to kind of distract you and off-put you. He really is a red hair. And I think, you know, we, I think the room, the puzzles in the room are very doable. I think even somebody um, maybe new to escape rooms, they make sense, these mm-hmm. puzzles. And they make sense to the story. That's why they're good puzzles, because they make sense to the yeah. story. And there, you have enough clues, you have what you need to get them. The only time, you know, we did end up having to ask for hints. And in the end, we were kind of like, oh, well, that was silly. We should have figured that out. Um, But because we were so distracted by the kind of eerie nature of the room or this actor who keeps moving and we don't know what he's going to do. It was very, it it threw us off Yeah, it threw us off. And so we were not maybe seeing things as clearly as we should have been or remembering something we saw earlier or things like that. Definitely. The only one, there was only one thing that I kind of had a problem with as far as um, the puzzles and that is at the when we were downstairs they specifically they you know they always go through a rules mm-hmm. you know and it's always the same thing don't climb don't you know don't break things she specifically said that there will be clues in the pictures on the wall but you do not need to move these pictures she did say that she said don't take them off the wall don't move them yeah and later on it turns out you don't have to take it off the wall but you did have to move it and it took us a long time to get that because we specifically yeah, the were like oh like, we can't move it it can pivot on an axis around the, yeah. the nail that's got it into and, the wall and what's funny is one of our friends even commented oh look you can tell people have tried to move this because you could see scratch marks from it yeah and I guess that should have been a clue, but we thought people had been not following the rules. And, you know, we were always trying to be very respectful when we're there in the room. We don't want to break their props. We know that yeah. this is their, how they're making money. Exactly. And we don't want to mess that up. So that was a little off-putting. The other thing is um, there were a couple places where there were some sharp edges. Um, oh, I got stabbed ones, yeah. Yeah, and our friend thought she had ripped her pants at one point, which thankfully she did not. Because um, I would hate to, you know, have, buying, hey, you, buying jeans is not always you cheap. Know, you mm-hmm. kind of owe us new pants, guys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a little bit problematic. But other than that, you know, considering when we got in the in the lobby, we were very concerned that we might be in for not such a good room. Yeah. It turned out to be a really good Honestly, room. Honestly, I was like, is, is this the same? The yeah, den? I know. We we're like, is this the one that we've heard so much is about? Is this like, like the Coke to the Den's Pepsi or whatever? <laughs> vice versa, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, and I would say if you, you know, I think this room could be good for beginners, but definitely the actor, it, it is a little more scary. And if you've never done one with an actor, it could be a oh, little, yeah. it could be a little intimidating for a new player mm-hmm. because he definitely is there to confuse and scare you. Now, I want to put forward a, a different little spin on this, um, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. I want to put forward a suggestion to uh-huh. change things because, yes, we're supposed to be in a serial killer's house uh-huh. and blah, 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 and the actor's in there, and he's supposed to be, like, a... A, a victim. A mentally, like, damaged victim, mm-hmm. you know? But I'm I'm kind of tired of that. And also, the the victim didn't seem to fit into the story too much because we find all these newspaper clippings talking about how he killed somebody here at this location. Yeah. So, like, why is he now taking well, people home? And I kept I kept theorizing that he wasn't the serial killer or that he was the serial killer. Oh, the guy that we Because worked? at one point we had to, like... Oh, um, unlock him? Unlock him. And I was like, oh, watch, he's actually the serial killer. Especially because he started laughing at that point. How great would that be if, like, that's the instant game over? Mm-hmm. Right? But, no, I was thinking... I would like to have an escape room where there actually is the serial killer, but he's blind. Oh, yes. We and and so here's what it is. is Greg's giving away our ideas on there. Oh, should I not? <laughs> but it's just like he's in there. and Or maybe like he's like a ghost mm-hmm. or something. You know, just he can't quite see you, but he can kind of hear you. So if you, he'll be doing his normal routine, but then if you make too much noise, he will go investigate. And if he does something like put two hands on your shoulders, you're out. 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, he'll immediately take you and escort you out the room, and you have to go wait in the lobby. And then the rest of the people just have to deal with whatever, yeah. you know? So, like, how great would that be? Like, he's in the way. We're running out of time. Greg, you've got to sacrifice yourself. <laughs> Why do I have to sacrifice yeah. myself? You I, sacrifice yourself. I also thought it would be funny to do an escape room where um, you. it turns out that the game masters, who are kind of the ones providing clues or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever are not on your side and they're trying they're to trap you. you. Yeah. So they're purposely messing with you. Um, I thought great. it would be funny to like switch it on its head like that. Yeah, right. Or even one, like, how about this, where like the guy's like there... But there's clearly, like, good hiding places for everyone to get to. Like, you hide behind a curtain mm-hmm. or, like, hide in this, like, wardrobe or whatever, you know. And then, like, the game master is, like, your lookout saying, like, I'll tell you if he's coming. And then, like, if she tells you you're coming or he's coming, you have 10 seconds to hide. Mm-hmm. You have to drop what you're doing and hide. How great would that be? Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be, mm-hmm. like, really, like, get your heart pounding, you know. I, I would like it, you know. <laughs> and then, like, if some guy's nervous and he, like, farts in the wardrobe, he goes, who's in there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I smell you. Yeah. <laughs> I get nervous, then I have gas. So once again, that's the Cromwell Estate in Anaheim, and the room is called The Den. The Den. (laughs) Okay, Greg, so what game are you interested in right now? What's sparking your fancy? With all this talk about RPGs, I have to go back to that well, actually, and there's this really interesting site that I would actually recommend to people who want to try this as well, and it's called One Page Dungeons. It is a contest that's held every year, where people design an entire dungeon adventure that mm-hmm. you can play in a D&D or any kind of setting scenario, and all of it has to fit on one 8 by 11 page of paper. You know, so sometimes it'll be hand-drawn maps, uh-huh. sometimes it's just a story description or whatever. And, like, yeah, the themes will vary, but, like, it's really interesting stuff, you know? And, like, it's really amazing to see how creative people can be. Like, there was this one that I read where uh, this fairy market appears in your backyard, and you have the night to go shopping and to do all these different things. Uh-huh. And, and then you also have to get out before sunrises, otherwise you'll be trapped there until the next, kind of like um, uh, Brigadoon. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, it'll disappear for like the next however many years, you know. So uh, that's actually something I kind of want to do. I'd kinda, I was kind of thinking maybe I'd like to go back to check out the latest contest for whatever it was this past year, because I haven't checked it yet, and see what do they come out with and is there any good mm-hmm. adventures that we, we can maybe try, you know. And the good thing about it is, uh, they're usually set up so that you can add any characters into them. You know, so just kind of whatever you want to, if you are if you have pre-existing characters, uh-huh. shove them in there. If you want to make new characters just for this, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny because with RPGs, what I found is because we've kind of done that where we finished a campaign mm-hmm. and then questioned, do we want to keep playing with these characters or do we want to create new ones? And it's weird because on one hand, like, it's really fun to create a new character. Oh, yeah. But on the other hand, you do get attached to your old character. You're like, but I went so get, far with her. You get attached to their abilities and the things they can do and what they're good at. Like, for me, we've kind of gone from one game to another. And I decided to build a very different character. And I'm used to being a ranger who can... Um, who use the bow and arrow so they do range shots yeah and my new character is not doesn't have any range abilities he uses like a sword or whatever and it's been really hard to be like oh wait i can't back up oh i can't hit someone from that far away like but good on you for expanding your boundaries yeah you know so yeah but so it's hard because you get used to a character but at the same time it is fun to create a new one very true yeah so so what's that side again uh it's called one page dungeons page dungeons so I also am going to take kind of a um, a page from this book, and I actually want to talk about it. it's not necessarily a game, 
But it's actually another podcast. Oh. It's a podcast and it's called Escape This Podcast. Interesting. And it's available, you know, anywhere podcasts are. If Whatever you're using to listen to this podcast right now, you'll also be able to find Escape This Podcast. And what this podcast does is every episode, they create an RPG escape room. Ooh. And so what they'll do is they'll take, they'll have um, different guests on who... They'll take them through this game, and it's it's just an RPG. It doesn't really exist, and they're playing themselves, but they put them in a situation, and they have to figure out how to um, escape the room or solve whatever the puzzle is. Interesting. So right. it kind of blends our, the love of escape rooms and the love of playing an RPG. And what's interesting is for every episode on their website, they actually will give out all the notes for the room. Oh, so you can, so do it you can actually do it yourself with your friends. That'd be fun. We should yeah, definitely try that. Exactly. Um, so it's almost like a way for you to do an escape room in your house without needing all the pieces and without needing to go anywhere or um, the expense. And this is all just like in your mind kind of imagination. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like they just, you know, they'll, they have the whole room description written up and okay. everything. I like that. That's very, very fun. Yeah. So once again, that's Escape This Podcast. That's where you can find out all about that. All right. So music for this episode was provided by Ben Sound. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, Come talk games with us. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.